This text from Matthew's Gospel tells the story of wise men and their journey to Bethlehem and the epiphany that they had there. An epiphany, of course, is a kind of revelation or realization. And on this first Sunday of the epiphany season, we remember that Jesus reveals himself to Gentiles in the form of these men who visit his manger on that holy night. Men from the east, from foreign lands, and of foreign faiths, behold the Christ child and recognize his glory. It occurs to me that epiphanies, while sudden, seldom strike us right away. In the case of these three magi, they endured a long journey and traveled many roads before experiencing that moment of spiritual revelation and clarity. They had to follow the signs that led them there. And with any journey, there's always a danger of getting lost along the way. A reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there, ahead of them, went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. Hear now what the Spirit is saying through the church. Amen. Please pray with me. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. May they be in keeping always with the teachings of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Is heaven bigger than outer space? My older son Ethan asked me last week from the back seat of the car. At least it wasn't at bedtime. That's when these kinds of questions usually come up. But what a question! I struggle to answer it, much less in terms that a six year old could understand. Not sure I understood it myself. The heavens, the cosmos, the sky above our heads has long fascinated the human race. 
Our ancestors gazed at the stars and imagined rich mythologies of gods and heroes painted up there in constellations of light. Medieval theologians and scientists theorized about the firmament, that dome of the sky upon which the stars were all hung like lights on a Christmas tree. And today, astrophysicists chart a growing map of the universe. But for all that we've learned, space remains the final frontier, a mystery waiting to be unraveled at the furthest edges of the physical universe. That allure captivates the imagination and continues to draw our gaze heaven's word. But is heaven bigger than outer space? Unlike most of you, my son still thinks I have all the answers. <laughs> but I have to confess that I've done a, a rather poor job of answering his questions in any meaningful way. The cobbler's son has no shoes, as the old saying goes, and the pastor's kid has a very strange and unorthodox understanding of God. Once, not long ago, he told me that Jesus could throw lightning bolts that can tear through the fabric of space and time, creating multiverses and parallel worlds in their wake. And just the other day, he drew a picture of a rather stoic-looking face on a little whiteboard that he called Christbot, a robotic messiah who can grant wishes when powered on. I am Christbot, he intoned mechanically from behind the whiteboard. What is your name, sir, and what is your wish? But I tried my best to answer this question about heaven and outer space and their relative sizes. Space is infinitely large, I told him. A vast sea of billions and billions of stars and galaxies. But heaven, I continued, well, heaven is non-corporeal. That is, it's a spiritual dimension rather than a physical one. So it's impossible to measure it by physical standards like feet or inches or even light years. It's a matter of apples and oranges, really, I concluded. Wait, he replied cautiously, so they have apples and oranges in heaven? <laughs> and this is how he develops his strange ideas. Truth be told, I never learned how to talk to little kids about religion. It's not my specialty. It's not something I'm very good at. But I was a kid once, too, and I had a lot of the same questions about the universe that my son asks me. It was my curiosity about heaven and space and cosmic forces greater than ourselves that drew me deeper into my own faith and ultimately into the ministry. I can remember back in high school sneaking into Lyman's apple orchard after midnight with some of my friends. We'd lay on our backs out there in the grass, far from the glow of city lights, staring at the stars. The sheer size of it all was overwhelming. I wondered what was out there beyond the constellations overhead. If God was out there somewhere, or if God was rather to be found in the vast expanse of the human soul. Lost in these mysteries, I sometimes felt as if the world had literally turned upside down, and I was dangling above the void of infinite space, frightened and exhilarated at the wonder of it all.
I craved answers about God, some kind of epiphany. And so I decided to follow those stars wherever they might lead. In Matthew's Gospel, it's written that wise men from the east traversed the ancient highways and wilderness, chasing a star of great significance. Non-biblical traditions have identified these three scholars as Balthazar of Arabia, Melchior of Persia, and Gaspar of India. These magi, probably astrologers, each came from a different land, a different people, with their own understanding of what this star signified. The text in Matthew claims that they all came seeking the birth of the Jewish king to pay him homage, but I personally think that's a bit of an oversimplification. They all came from different places and only met each other on the road. More likely, as each of these men observed the stars from their towers in their homelands, consulting over astrological charts, meticulously inking notes onto parchment by firelight, remembering their own myths and legends and stories of their faith, they probably arrived at their own understanding of this strange astronomical phenomenon and what it all might mean. It does seem that they all expected uh, to find the birth of royalty of some kind, but Jesus was something much more. But for all of their differences, these wise men did have one thing in common, and that was a thirst for knowledge. Their fascination with the heavens and this mysterious star that drifted through them, unlike any they had ever seen, compelled them. They craved answers and epiphany, and so they decided to follow that star wherever it might lead. And of course, as we know, it led them to a brighter light, the Christ child. And beholding him, in spite of their different traditions and belief, I think they all found the same thing, an epiphany, an experience of love incarnate, the lights of the world. They found an answer to a question that they didn't even know they had. The thing you seek is not always the thing you find. The Magi chased stars, but they found Christ. So did I when I came to this church 12 years ago. I initially pursued ordination and parish ministry because I believed that it would help me find the answers to all of my burning questions about life, the universe, and everything. I thought I'd unravel the mysteries of life and death, heaven and hell. I thought I'd find God by delving into scripture, deciphering apocryphal texts, interrogating angels. Instead, I found something else. Like the Magi, the stars I chase led me to a brighter light. They led me to the face of Jesus, which I found in all of you. I found people to walk with me on my journey, people with the same questions I had. More importantly, I found community. I found love. I found it in the homemade meals that were brought to my door when my children were born in hands clasped in prayer by hospital bedsides, in the ridiculous pranks 
of teenagers who affectionately like to hide my luggage on mission trips, in people's homes where we studied the Bible and shared the stories of our lives. And I found it at the communion table, where for a brief and sacred moment, we look into each other's eyes and share the unconditional love of Christ. There are plenty of reasons why I came here, but they aren't the reasons that I stay. So why do you come here? What keeps you coming back? I mean, aside from the dynamic and brilliant preaching, you know, that's (laughs) a given. Maybe you came here because you thought your kids should get a religious education, but you found that you got at least as much out of it as they did. Maybe you came here because you wanted to find a place where you could help others, but you found that you needed help too. Maybe you wanted to find a community that shared your social values, but you also found one that shared a table with Jesus. But you'll never find that other thing, that dawning epiphany, whatever it is, if you stay fixated on the initial attraction. If you only come here because you like the music on Sunday morning and you never look past that to any other aspect of the church, then you're missing out on a lot. You know, marriage is a good metaphor here. I wouldn't have stayed with my wife for as many years as I have if there was no substance behind my physical attraction to her. And she wouldn't have stayed with me this long if I was just another handsome face, regardless of how chiseled and manly that face might be. (laughs) And I never would have known the love that I found here if I'd stayed holed up in my office for the past decade, poring over books and reading theological texts, collecting more dust than the volumes on my shelf. Just imagine for a moment if the Magi had remained focused on the star alone, if that was the only thing they cared about. Imagine if they arrived in Bethlehem And instead of kneeling by the manger to behold the face of God, they had pitched their tents outside and began unloading astronomical instruments and books and charts and scrolls and set up a little observatory there to study the light above, oblivious to the light radiating from the nearby stable. Imagine if they'd stayed there long after Jesus had moved on transfixed by a fading star. I think we miss the point sometimes in matters of faith, mistaking the signposts for the thing they point to. We deify scripture and liturgy and tradition, worship theological ideas, the proverbial star, sometimes forgetting that these are only signs that point to a greater truth. Those things can help us to understand God, but they are not God. No more than the star over Bethlehem is Jesus. What if you took a trip to Indiana, for instance, and as soon as you arrived at the sign that reads, Welcome to Indiana, you simply parked your car and stayed there. As though that one spot were the whole state, as if there were nothing else to see. As a wise man once said, there's more than corn in Indiana. 
I don't know if that's actually true, but that's what they say. Point is, there's a danger of getting stuck if we don't look ahead to what else is possible, not just in faith, but in life. Stuck in tired beliefs and old ways of thinking. Stuck in toxic relationships. Stuck in dead-end careers. Stuck beneath a star that doesn't shine as brightly as it used to because it was never meant to last forever. I believe that we are always called forward. The star of the Magi came to rest above the manger of the Christ child. But then Jesus showed those wise men another way forward, a new sign to follow. I don't believe that this is a conversion story for the record. I don't think that they abandoned their old faith. But their encounter with Christ changed them. It opened their eyes to a new dimension of God. We're told that they returned to their homes by a different road, called on a new journey, tracing a new arc in the constellation of their lives. Is heaven bigger than outer space? I don't know. Does it really matter? Those kinds of questions are well and good, and I'm glad my son is asking them because it demonstrates curiosity about the universe we live in. But I would hope in time that he comes to realize that faith is about something more. It's not about knowledge of God. It's about an experience of God. It's not about answering questions, but about asking them together in community. It's not about getting wishes granted by Christ's bot, but about fulfilling Christ's wishes and will for us. I don't know if heaven is bigger than outer space, but I know that God is bigger than any theological doctrine, and that church is bigger than Sunday morning. Lately, Ethan's discovered a new game that I'm sure you've all played. He'll draw a part of a picture, and then I have to guess what the picture is and finish it for him. It's rather difficult, I have to say, because he usually just draws a single line. <laughs> Leaves a lot to the imagination. But we have a good time. Our faith is a bit like that, too. You know, it, it begins with something simple. But it evolves and grows into something more. A series of lines and curves, journeys that trace a larger picture, one piece at a time. Like constellations, each star marking the end of one chapter and the beginning of another, each new star calling us in a new direction until the picture is complete. And then when the ends have met, we find ourselves at the same point we started, as helpless and naked as we came. We leave this world but we're changed. And we have something to show for our time here, a complete picture, a deeper faith, a constellation in heaven that shines forever. I said before that there are plenty of reasons why I came here to this church and that they aren't the reasons I stay. But while I have no plans to go anywhere, I know that I can't stay here forever. Many of us will come and go from this place in time. But wherever the stars lead me next, I know that my constellation will shine brighter 
for having been here. And as we gather here again at this table, I pray that yours will too. Amen.